This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series on compliance professionals adapting to change, industries, regulations, and beyond, where we will look down the road at key issues in 2024 and beyond for the compliance professional. In this series, I will visit with Nicholas Latham, Renee Murphy, Jessica Chachuga, Lee Chow, and Alexander Kosha. Over this series, we will consider compliant communications in regulated industries, managing conflicts of interest at the board level, the board of directors role in compliance training and communications, navigating the current ESG landscape, and professional growth and mentorship in compliance. This series is informative, enjoyable, and I know you'll get a lot out of it. First, a word about diligence. Diligence empowers leaders with a holistic view of their organization's governance, risk, compliance, audit, and ESG practices so they can make better decisions faster, no matter the challenge. Ready for purpose-driven compliance? Diligence equips leaders with the tools they need to build, monitor, and maintain a culture of open, transparent ethics and compliance. For more information or to book a demo, visit Diligent.com. In this part four, I visit with Yi Chow on navigating the current ESG landscape and where it may be headed down the road. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode in our five-part series. And today, I'm absolutely thrilled to have with me Yi Chow. Yi, first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thanks, Tom, and, and great to be here. Could you tell us your professional background and your current role? Sure. So I'm director of solution engineering and uh, slash consulting at Diligent. So my role at Diligent now is really to try to understand from our client's perspective, what they need in terms of ESG, what challenges they're facing, and then looking at how we can provide uh, any of the solutions to our clients. So prior to joining Diligent, I've been in the sustainability space for about 16, 17 years now. I've been in various roles around consulting and in-house roles as well. The, you have been in this space probably as long as about anyone else. So you've seen the evolution of this topic. And it really leads me to maybe start with, how do you see the role of a chief compliance officer or compliance professional vis-a-vis ESG? Yeah, absolutely. As you say, I've been, uh, I've seen that sort of spectrum of ESG and sustainability in, in corporate world for quite some time. And I think that role has really evolved and, and uh, driven by different needs and, and maturity of, of that topic o- over time as well. So I think fair to say in a sort of early days, uh, early 2000s or, or even before, ESG is typically quite kind of a side topic, uh, some something that you focus on in terms of gaining more credentials and shall we say more marketing around that in terms of what companies are doing. But slowly, I, I think, particularly in the last two or three years, that's it's, it's now really integral and such a huge agenda for probably majority of the corporates globally now. So real focus. So the roles of, and with that, the roles of chief executives, compliance officers, internal management has all changed as well. So it's no longer 
a, a side department looking at ESG, but but I think now with the responsibility, with the uh, accountability of ESG as well, now it's really at the compliance, chief compliance officer's level or even chief executive level as well. So that's where I, I think it has really elevated within the, the corporate agenda and and which is great to see because we are definitely in, in need of all of that in, in future. Yeah, I, the reason I'm excited and have been excited about ESG is that I see ESG as essentially a business process. And mm-hmm. of course, many of the areas and topics within ESG have been subject to processes before. But what I didn't see before was one person, director of sustainability, one group, ESG group, one board subcommittee, ESG, who took an entire holistic view of all of these, the S and the G, and then of course all the subtopics, and put a a holistic, strategic approach to all of these areas. And I'm a huge proponent of business process and that if you have a process, not only can you improve it because you can measure it, but you can also use that to drive greater profitability and a better company and all of those things. And first of all, I would ask if you find that to be a fair assessment and then how does compliance help a company evaluate a potential ESG investment, recognizing that most of the time compliance doesn't look strictly at financial numbers. Yeah, in- interesting perspective and and what you mentioned, I, I think that's really true as well. And, and in terms of, I think one of the challenges is really around the the processes of gathering the ESG information. And, and as you say, typically that's not something companies are have been doing in the past. It's not really integral in, in terms of the data and, and the visibility of those data within organizations. So the likes of, if, you, if we look at um, climate change, for example, what are the what, what are the data points relating to that? What, what is your fuel consumption, your electricity consumption, um, your supply information, all, all of that? The, the, there's been always different processes and different ways of gathering those data and, and they sit in disparate systems within organization. And typically, so it's not like financial accounting where you in financial reporting now, like everything rolls up to the critical numbers of business in business, business performance, like what's your revenue, what's your profitability and, and all of that. But I think that's changing in, in, in some ways. And, and we're seeing a lot more uh, reporting of, of these non-financial data now in within companies because I think companies see the value to 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 these numbers as well. So it's not they're not just numbers for numbers' sake and reporting sake. It's, it's actually they give visibility on a variety of things within the organization. So in terms of the data, if you look at like climate data, you can better understand the relation to 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 climate impact in relation to climate risk. What are how does that impact some of those topics as well? And also as a as an opportunity for businesses in terms of where where savings can be made or where new revenue, new opportunities can be held as well. So I think that's the interesting part as well is how that shift from from not really reporting to getting more insights and being part of that process to get the data as well. You here in 2023, what are maybe one or two of the top or maybe even three questions you get of a customer or client comes to you and not so much where do we start because I hope they've started, 
but maybe they haven't started and they really need to. What are some of the key questions you are hearing on a consistent yeah. basis this year? Yeah, thanks. So I think, yeah, a few, yeah, maybe two or three. Firstly, is that whole rise in regulation, which I'll come to. The second is about um, just the depth and of requirements in terms of broad, actually broadening requirements and deeper requirements in terms of data and reporting as well. So I'll come to those individually. So I think from a regulatory perspective, a lot of clients now are are starting to 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 be subjected to a number of these regulations. I, I think in the past year or two, there has really been a, a real push by governments and stock exchanges and, and all the regulatory bodies as well in terms of pushing for mandatory reporting. So that's something we haven't really seen before where most companies publish sustainable reports, they dress it up as they like in, in, in some ways, they can report different ways, different trends and, and so on. But I think with the mandatory reporting now, it's becoming like very set in terms of what clients and, and corporates need to report on. And because there's so many now out there, there's one of a main topic of challenge uh, is always, how do we do this? How, how can we better meet um, some of these requirements? Uh, which ties into, I, I think the next challenge that, that we see with, with companies is, is really um, they're a bit inundated with or overwhelmed in, in terms of what they need to provide. So a lot of these regulations are asking for uh, a lot more details and not just within their company, but also across their value chain. For example, with in terms of climate change, they don't just want to know what is your direct impacts and direct emissions, direct operational Im impacts, but also what your value chain are doing. So what is your customers doing versus what your suppliers are doing? And naturally the big challenge there is getting the information, getting the data on that. So those are, I think, a couple of the new upcoming um, uh, challenges that, that we see with clients is really trying to, trying to meet those needs. In terms of a leadership structure for ESG, uh, do you advocate a or director of ESG, director of sustainability, or someone with a, a same or similar title, an individual? Uh, do you advocate a perhaps a committee? Do you advocate a CCO handle those in addition to their day job? Or is it really on a company by company basis? Yeah, I think I would say definitely company by company basis, but like the key components would really have to be there needs to be a point of contact, a point of accountability for a lot of these things. So two, two aspects to that. One is accountability, a, a point of contact, meaning who in the company should we reach out to, to handle all of this, right? So typically that's like a sustainability person that's in charge of pulling all that together and coordinating really between, between different business units within the company. Accountability really has to be who ultimately has that responsibility for the program and reporting and according as well. And that could be in the compliance space, chief compliance officers, of course, that ultimately rose up the chief executive on that. So I think that there's usually a governance structure where you have, we see that very often now, the, the accountability sits at the right at the top. And then the directors, the same as you really coordinates and almost acts like a secretariat to, to coordinate all that effort. And I think the committees come into come into play now. So I think it's largely recognized it's not a one department anymore, but it's really a team effort. It's a group-wide effort. So you need all your business units, all your business groups to be involved. 
so they will have to, so you have, your committee will have to be set up such that everyone all the leaders within the company are are also involved in this and driving the whole strategy and agenda forward so I think that's usually the typical organizational structure it varies of course depending on individual focus within different sectors and so on but i think that's that's largely the the case uh, for my final question i wanted to ask you how do you educate the board of directors on their role in esg which of course is oversight and very different than management or even a director or head of sustainability how do you really help guide a board through uh, teaching the board about their role in ESG. Yeah, definitely. I think the boards and senior leadership within corporates and big corporates these days are ESG should be part of those board meetings and board discussions from really driven by, I think, the compliance space, the regulatory space, what customers, what stakeholders are looking for. And so it's, as I say earlier, it's really elevated to that level and you need that. I wouldn't say a board and every member of the board need to be experts in, in terms of the details around, around ESG. It is a very complex topic, but nonetheless, they need to know at a very high level what that means in terms of business, business growth, business drivers and regulatory compliance as well. And so they need to have the, I would say some knowledge in terms of what are the big trends coming up? What are the big topics? What are their investors looking for? What are the main issues that they're raising in terms of, in terms of sustainability? And are they meeting regulatory and compliance and, and taking ownership of that? And I think as a topic of sustainability, it really helps because once the board, once the C-suites are, are involved, it, it really drives and uh, change within, within the organization as well. Well, yeah, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode. But before we leave, I wanted to ask you if our listeners wanted any more information on the topics you've touched on uh, today, what would be the best place for them to go? Absolutely. So reach out to us. We're happy to, of course, talk about uh, any of these and offer any insights we can. So it's diligent, so www.diligent.com, and you can find us there and direct to, to, to questions there as well. Yeah, I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me, and I look forward to continuing this conversation. Thanks, Tom. And thanks all. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Professionals Adapting to Change, Industry, Regulations, and Beyond. I hope you'll join us again for our next episode where we take a look at for our fifth and final episode, where I visit with Alexander Kosha from the Volkoff Law Group on professional development and mentoring for compliance professionals. This special five-part series is sponsored by Diligent, and we've linked to Diligent's website in the show notes. So for more information, check out their website, www.diligent.com. This special five-part podcast series is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.